Good morning, church. We welcome you here today for a time of worship together. We're delighted that you have chosen to come online and be with us this morning. And our prayer is that you would leave here both encouraged as well as, as fed from the word and from the table. As you see, today is our first Sunday in March. And so we are joining together to break bread. As I go through the announcements, I first and foremost want to encourage you to reach out to our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jack Baca. His information is on your screen right now. Send him an email or you may contact the church and he will be able to work to get a hold of you. Our church exists because people are gracious in giving. And we invite you to give an offering, a pledge, a tithe to this church. The information again is up on the screen. Our church functions because of the generosity of others. And so we're grateful for your participation with our church. We have a number of activities going on. One of the things that we love to do is be together, but also go out into the world. And so we have some opportunities working with a, some local mission partners in the month of March and in April. The information is on the website, but we'll be going to Interfaith Community Services to New Day Outreach Ministry, and also to the San Diego Rescue Mission. We are limited in the number of people that can participate in these mission days simply because of the protocols that are in place. But if you are interested in finding out more about our missions and volunteering, please email me. And again, the information is up on the screen. We have a season of Easter activities coming, and we want to share those with you. On April 1st, we have Monday Thursday worship at 7 p.m. We'll also have it online, but we will be meeting here on campus. This features the Lord's Supper, scripture reading about the passion of Christ, and special music. On Good Friday, we have a prayer walk, and we invite you to come between 3 and 5 p.m. and You'll be instructed, given information. You may walk around and just have some solitude and some time on Good Friday together. And that again is on April the 2nd. On April the 3rd is our extravaganza. This is a family friendly feature that we have here at the church. It is led by our pastor, Jack, and um, you'll find all these fun activities and all the experiences online. We encourage you to participate in that also. And then on Easter Sunday, we will have a sunrise service at 7. We will have another service at 10. All those are on the patio outside our sanctuary. And also online, we will have our Easter services. So you're welcome to join in any of those ways. But we pray that you will truly engage during Easter week. Also, as a, a last note, for extravaganza, we need family photos. And on the screen, you see our Director of Children's Ministry, Charity's email address. You can contact her and send your family photos. Again, this is a church that welcomes you and wants to engage you. So please go on our website, find out more about the church and ways for you to be involved. Let us now join together in our call to worship. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, are the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. 
for all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. And now, our God, we give thanks to you and praise your glorious name. Let us worship God. people in a Good Friday world, a world, a life where we confront sin, death, and evil every single day. We're in need of God's mercies and grace in Jesus Christ. And so let us confess our sins and the sins of the world with the words projected on your screen in one voice and in one heart. Let us confess together. Oh God, help us to use this season of Lent to examine our attachments and to sense where you invite us to live more simply and deeply. Shine the light of your love into the private corners of our lives where we have acquired so much clutter that it has begun to restrict our freedom. Grant us the strength to free ourselves from appetites and needs that drive us into taking, having, and wanting more than we need or have time for. Teach us that in letting go, we become free rather than deprived, generous rather than covetous, and spacious rather than restricted. We offer you our Lenten observance, and today we place our feet on the road to Easter 
and walk the way that you have walked before us. In Christ we pray. Amen. Sisters and brothers in Christ and people of God, let us hear and receive, believe, and trust in the good news of God in Jesus Christ, that at the cross of Christ we are crucified with him, and by his resurrection we are risen with him to newness of life, free to love God and to love one another. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Because God has given us peace with him and with one another, let us share signs of peace and God's love with each other. I invite you to do so with those who are with you. And not only this day, but every single day, share signs of God's love and peace with a world that so desperately needs it. Amen.
Good morning, children, and welcome to your kids' message. For this morning, we start the whole new month of March, and your word for this month is patience. Our story comes from the book of Luke, and it's chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. And if you have time with your families this morning to read this story in full detail, I would encourage you all to do that. But I'm going to summarize it for us this morning. Our story talks about a man named Simeon. Now, Simeon had a very close relationship with God, and the Bible says that he was a righteous man. Now, Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit that he was going to meet the Messiah. And this was something that was so exciting because at the time people were waiting and waiting and trying to figure out exactly in what form and how the Messiah was going to come and save them. Now, Simeon saw Mary and Joseph one day and they had baby Jesus with them. And in that moment, he knew exactly that that was the Messiah. So God had created this moment with Simeon to show him that he was going to fulfill his promise in all of the Old Testament uh, stories that we hear about, that there was this promise that was going to be fulfilled. This was a moment where Simeon said, oh, thank you, God, so much for keeping your promise. And the fact that he got to meet baby Jesus was such an incredible moment. Now, what does all of this mean for you all at home? This story shows us exactly how much patience that Simeon had when it came to this message. It wasn't overnight when the Holy Spirit told him, you're going to meet the Messiah, and it didn't just happen the next day. Simeon had to wait, and he had to be patient, and that created a moment that was so amazing. So be thinking about that as we walk through this whole month and learn about patience. Where are there moments where God might be speaking to you and calling you to have patience because you don't have the answers that you want right in that moment. This is my encouragement for you all this morning, and I will see you back here next week as we continue to talk about patience. Have a great week, everyone. We follow a faithful Savior. We love a giving God. We find power and strength through the Spirit that fills all of us with the gifts that we need for living each day. So in the confidence of this relationship, let us offer our prayers to God. Almighty God, you search us and know us. You know our paths and our words before we know them. You are the one from whom we cannot flee or hide. 
You are the one with whom we have to do every moment of our lives. Hear us now, please, because of your mercy and grace. We thank you, gentle shepherd, for all the things that we have today, for life and breath, for food and shelter, for friends and family, for work to do and rest from our work, for years of memories behind us and for years of promise before us. None of us can claim all of these gifts, perhaps, but all of us can claim most of them and even more. So make us more grateful, we pray, and better able to receive what you offer rather than to lament what you do not. We implore you, Righteous One, to lead us into ever more righteous living. Where we ourselves are selfish and destructive, give us the will to repent and then the discipline to do better. Where we see others inflicting hatred upon others, move to soften their hearts and amend their ways. Where we see others suffering from what is done to them, move to ease their pain and to strengthen their resolve. None of us can claim perfection, so convict all of us of our fault and be gracious yet firm as you lead us to that place of perfect peace in our relationships with each other. We ask you, empowering spirit, to give energy, intelligence, imagination, and love to all, so that we might discover ways to heal diseased bodies, to restore broken relationships, to renew disturbed souls, and to establish just and equitable governments and economies. None of us escape the effects of our broken world, and all of us can be part of mending it, but only as you strengthen and lead us. In all of these things, teach us greater reliance on you, more faithful discipline in your ways, and overflowing love for you and for each other as we live out the days that you give us. Finally, O God, hear us as we say these perfect words that Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Let us begin our time in the scriptures with a prayer for illumination. Please join me in prayer. Eternal God, your spirit inspired those who wrote the Bible and enlightens us to hear your word fresh each day. Help us to rely always on your promises in scripture. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A reading from the letter to the Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Now a reading from the second letter to the Corinthians. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, the word of the Lord. Ross, thank you so much for sharing the word with us this morning in your reading. We're very blessed by our lay readers. So again, thank you. In the Lord of the Fellowship, Bilbo comes to speak to his friend Gandalf. And contemplating both his age and life, he said, I'm beginning to feel in my heart I feel thin, sort of stretched like a butter scraped over too much bread. Now the other side of the coin might be the person who has a hunger in their belly to be stretched or challenged. Where are we, each one of us in our lives, how are we feeling? Some people like that challenge, they like to be encouraged or even provoked or corrected. Um, 
Others are, I just feel so stretched. So today I have to ask, do you feel like a challenge? I could be asking at the wrong time because I realize that we're still in lockdown for the most part. COVID is still in control of our lives. We have indeed had a hard season. Maybe it's the wrong year I'm asking, the wrong time, the wrong time frame altogether. This year we have been challenged already. Like do not challenge me anymore, Pastor Jan. Thank you very much. We've been challenged by everything going on, economically, relationally, physically, and even our clothes are being stretched. We may be responsible for that last one, but you get the idea that it's difficult. It's hard sometimes. Things go on in our life that we feel like we do not have any control over. We're in the season of Lent, and once again, we're challenged to give ourselves in very meaningful ways. Now, our brothers and sisters in the Catholic and the Orthodox Church have a tradition of giving something up for Lent. We in the Protestant tradition do not always do that, but last year, a number of us were really ready to give things up, whether it was chocolate, coffee, alcohol, whatever, and COVID hit. Forget it. None of, we, I, no, I need my chocolate. I really am going to need my coffee to get through this. So here we are a year later. And for some of us, it's like, I don't know if I, I've moved any further along. I'm still feeling pretty stretched. I don't, I don't need a new challenge in my life. I don't, I just want to survive this. I just want to get through this. But I have to think about some of the more difficult times in the life of the church in general, in the life of our faith, where in really inconvenient times, we might've been stretched. We might've been challenged to do things. And a couple of things come to mind for here at the Village Church. The first would be that in 2005, we decided that we wanted to help our partners in Kenya, Africa, specifically in Mombasa, which is along the coastline. It is mostly animist or Muslim. And we really wanted to help uh, one of our partners outreach to build churches so that they could have communities that would be out there sharing their faith, congregations going out to the people, bringing them to Christ. And during that time, our church raised enough funds to build well over 25 churches. Since then, we've built another dozen. And it's just a wonderful opportunity that we've had. We were challenged. And most of us didn't even know where Mombasa was. We hadn't been there. Some of us have been there. And um, it's whenever you go on a mission trip, especially if you go um, with me, think one-star hotel almost, and um, very pretty, pretty rustic, and you, you may not have your clothes get there until you're ready to leave because your suitcase got sent somewhere else. There's a, real, a lot of challenges with that. But to go and see the churches that were built, and on top of that, to help them build schools and medical clinics, to be a part of something incredible in terms of bringing the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, fast forward just a few years. In 2008, which was, uh, I believe we affectionately know that as the Great 
recession. It was a global economic downturn. It was very, very difficult. And the Village Church, which had a beautiful fellowship center that was built by the visions of some people before it, had a small sanctuary and in the small little community. If you haven't been here to uh, the Village Church in Rancho Santa Fe, it started in 1956, the church, but the community long before that. Lots of, of land, more horses, more fruit trees than children or people or anything else. But out of that came a vision that they really are pretty central in a lot of areas for the North County. And they really wanted to begin to grow and reach out. So as our church grew and under great leadership, we decided we uh, were going to trust God. We're going to meet a challenge to raise money to build a new sanctuary and a new patio, which we enjoy often during this pandemic time. We were able at the worst economic time to meet the challenge and to have a, a campaign that raised the money in a few years, we were debt free. We've continued to use this church and I think about how we were challenged to do something really good, something something good for God. And it wasn't convenient, it wasn't at the best time, but it was a time in which God had called us to be about bringing his good news to new places to go further. More than economics, more than, than just building a building, people prayed, people gave up their time, People had faith and they brought their friends and they told the story. I, this is not a sermon about time, talents, and treasures. I'm sure you're excited about that. Um, it's more than that though. It's so much more than that. When we think about how much God has given to us, it's because when we are called together, we're called together to worship God and then go out and be in the world. Because when we worship God, it definitely challenges us and it changes us. I want us to think about just three words today, grace, giving, and gratitude. And as we think about those words, will you please pray with me? Holy Spirit of God, we have heard your word read from our lay reader, Ross, when we think about, Lord, ways in which we have been stretched so much in this last year, but we also think about, Lord, where is it that you are challenging us, that you are encouraging us, that you are, are instructing us to do something great for you? I pray, Lord God, that we would trust you. Open our ears and our hearts. Lord, speak through me, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I'm hoping that since we are beginning to become so familiar with Romans 12, the first eight verses that you um, have it well in your mind, if not in your hearts and have memorized a lot of it. It begins again this way. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present yourselves as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Along with memory comes reminder, we give of ourselves, not out of ought to do it, 
or of fear or of moral ransom. We give ourselves out of the recognition that it is by God's mercy that we are transformed. It's not something that we do. It's something that the Holy Spirit does in us. And the more we allow the Holy Spirit to do that, the more we recognize the work, the more we are transformed and not conformed to the world, but conformed to Christ Jesus. The grace given to us through Christ allows us to become the image of Christ to other people in the way in which we love people, the way in which we serve people, the way in which we give of ourselves. And really that's the text this morning. When we talk about virtues and we move into verse um, eight of Romans 12 to talk about really not so much the gifts as Paul has mentioned, but virtues, things like giving, leadership, kindness or compassion. These are the things that are virtues in people who know Jesus. That's not an elite thing, that is a, a, a collaborative thing, that this is who we are as believers. So I just want to make sure to look at, I'm, I'm not talking to us about doing a works so that um, it has to be done, we have to, to, to work at that. It is something that is given to us and it becomes for us, our life, a living, sacrifice and a spiritual worship. Now, Paul, when he was in Corinth and when he left and he wrote to them again in 2 Corinthians is when Paul is writing and he's making appeals to them, it is a difficult book because Paul is hurting. They had, many of them had abandoned him. They were not sure of him. They didn't know if he was valid and yet he continued to call out to them. And in chapters eight to nine, and nine we're looking at today, he called the people to, to thank them, but to also encourage them to give to a very poor church in Jerusalem. And we see that his faithfulness compelled him. It was no benefit to him to ask for the money that he asked for Jerusalem. It was the benefit for the Christians in Jerusalem. Here's the thing, the Christians in Jerusalem were Jews and the Christians in Corinth were Gentiles. They'd all converted to follow Jesus, but they struggled a little bit because their identity of who they had been was still very present. And they, they, um, they just really didn't necessarily want or have anything to do with one another. But God sent his son to do a work in us. And that's what Paul is really appealing. It's not just to enlighten our minds. Christ didn't just come to make us feel good or to raise our emotional level or to cultivate our talents or time. Those are good things, but he came to redeem the whole person. We go back to that living sacrifice, that whole body, that whole being that we're being called to be about. We think about the passages, we look and we see three scriptures that, that Paul uses that are Old Testament scriptures, but he also uses the Romans 8 scripture to talk about um, doing giving generously. And as he talks about why people would do this, you kind of help, well, 
are, are you trying to motivate them so that, or we give so that we, we feel good about that, or, or God will give us more, or we'll do something else? That's not Paul's intention. But Paul's intention is to say, this is who the people of God is. That God does love a cheerful giver. Don't give out of compulsion. Don't give because you think you should. Don't give because you think you can somehow get a better seat at the table. It's a flat table behind us. Flat. Everybody sits equally around that table. That's not why we give. And Paul reminds them, you know, God loves that cheerful. He loves a person that just can't help but want to give. And he goes on and he talks about in Psalms 112 about the person that, that blessed is the one who cares for the poor. Blessed is the one who gives. Happy is that person. And their righteousness will last forever. It's not a self-righteousness like, oh, look at how great I am, look at what I've done. It's a righteousness that comes from God because of our giving. It's an issue of demonstration of our gratitude when we give. And then Paul provides the seed for the sower, the bread to eat. And he's quoting from Isaiah 55. And it's an invitation for us to come and feast on God's rich bounty because God is making a new creation in which everything will be renewed. We think about the new creation achieved through the death and the resurrection of the Savior. This is our Lord. And God who comes and brings to the earth, who sows the seed, he sows the seed of the word in the same way that he sends rain and snow to provide seed, corn, and bread. He sends a spiritual awakening, a word to grow us up in him. This is God's new creation. This is God's new covenant for us. It is accomplished, it is accomplished through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the Messiah, and now at work in the world through us, through the preaching of the gospel, through the caring for one another, through the giving of our whole selves. You know, there are two commandments that Paul really pulls on here, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. We're kind of back to that Jerusalem Corinthian church. It was more than just the church. It was more than just Jews who had converted to Christianity and Gentiles who had, who had become Christians. It was people who had been transformed for the glory of God. And they live their lives wanting to do that. He's brought us to a new ultimate reason for generosity. He's not uh, trying to promise that the Corinthians are going to get a payback for this in terms of money. That's not what he says. He's telling them out of righteousness that they give and that God is glorified. Verse 13, through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. And that's it, folks, all others. I think sometimes we get so caught up in wanting to help our brothers and sisters in Christ 
that we neglect the all others. And yes, we're called love God, love neighbor. Our neighbor are the others. Our neighbors are those that oftentimes are hurting. Yes, financially. Yes, physically. Yes, emotionally. Oh, Lord, I just think about how many are suffering right now. The amount of youth that are struggling during this time. Some of whom have taken their lives. It has been so difficult. Church. We need to be generous and caring for them. Reaching out, giving, being present. We know the grace of God. And when we know that grace of God, we know generosity. We show our gratitude to God and the way in which we live and receive God's good gifts to us and the way in which we share those with others. The good news of Jesus Christ. A normal, healthy Christian life. Everything proceeds out of God's giving to us, out of God's generosity. And everything returns to God in thanksgiving. That's gratitude. Grace, generosity, and gratitude. These are not optional virtues or extras for Christian living. They're the very heart of who we are. It's in our witness and in our worship. One of my favorite people in the whole world, you all know this was Mother Teresa, and they did a documentary on her. And uh, they interviewed a priest, and the priest who had known Teresa from her early days as a nun, said this in, in the video. People say Mother Teresa went to Calcutta and was moved by the plight of all those in need and felt called to respond. That was not it. She knew the love of Jesus, and it was specifically because of that love that she responded as she did. Her love, her worship, her spiritual worship, her living sacrifice, not only changed her, it changed the world. Now our church built a larger structure because we needed room. But it's not just to build, it's not just to have people give monetary value or give a vision. We built this because we want desperately and are committed fully to giving of ourselves a presence. We want people to see us and we want to see people. We want to invite people here and we want to go out to people. Lord Jesus Christ is giving our whole being as a living sacrifice. That's what God asks of us. Jesus, the perfect example, invites us to his table that he has prepared. 
Oh, Jesus, I think about all that you did during your life, short life in three years. You walked with those who were rejected. You healed the sick who were marginalized. You taught those who would hear and you even spoke to those that ignored you and went after you. You gathered together a ragtag group of folks. And on the night in which you were betrayed, you gathered them together at a table. And as they were gathered together, you took the bread and having blessed it, you broke it saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. For each time, brothers and sisters, we eat of this bread and drink of the cup. We remember Christ's saving death until he comes again. Christ invites all who trust in him, and they will come from east and west and north and south and sit at the table for the kingdom feast. I invite you to take a few moments in your own home with whomever you are with and taste the bread and the cup that Christ has provided. Amen. I think about grace, giving, and gratitude. 
I think about bringing glory to God. As we go out today, I want to leave with you the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, lights. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much ask to be consoled as to consoled, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Go out into the world giving of yourself in every way. Amen.